0: These are my type of people. Join me as we discuss the inner secrets of cinema. Have a seat in The Spoiler Room.
1: Oh, yes, folks, hello. Welcome to another edition of The Spoiler Room. Oh, wait, wait. My audio folks won't hear this, but I got to do this because... Because... (laughs)
2: Because you're super cool.
1: Because, yeah, if you got a collar, pop it up. Oh, Glenn. Glenn, Oh, there you
3: (laughs) (laughs) you go. Yeah, it doesn't work with the bathrobe, really. No, it
1: doesn't. Well, thank you, everyone, for venturing down the stairs, pulling up a chair with us. A full crew tonight as we discuss a film I've been very excited for. And, yes, I know it's my show. I could have probably talked about it whenever, but I wanted the right time. And tonight is the night we are talking the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Yes, folks, there are films... There are films, and then there is this film. And I am very (laughs) excited to talk about it tonight. And yes, I've got a wonderful group of crew members who have braved this and uh, probably have to deal with my overexcitement over this film. (laughs) Uh, First off, she is back with us once again. Say hello to the very talented Angelique Bone. Hello, Angelique. How are you?
2: I'm great. How are you?
1: Oh, we're we're doing good tonight. We're doing good, and hopefully we don't get storms that knock things out. So uh, hoping for that. But, you know, I got it covered because my collar's up. So there you go. I mean, I've
2: got the hyper thruster in my purse.
1: So. Oh, the over thruster. Yeah, you got good. that over thruster in your purse. Uh, is that what the ladies call it nowadays? I guess.
2: You
1: know it. <laughs> it used to be called a massager. But anyway. I'm thinking that there, <laughs> there's a
3: market for a product that, that I think we're coming up with right now called the yeah. Overthruster.
1: <laughs>
2: yes, it's Your perfect.
1: It, it is yeah. perfect. Are you
2: still in lockdown? <laughs> yeah,
1: you could can... <laughs> yeah, even have little subnames for them, like Big Boutet, uh, but <laughs> yeah. or, or the, the the Peter Weller. Yes, no, um, the Peter Weller.
2: <laughs> well, we can we can name you know the, the perfect Tommy.
1: The perfect. To- there you go. The
2: perfect. Tommy. Wow. Uh,
1: I'm starting to think this whole movie was just an inside dildo joke. And the Penny Pretty. Yeah. I mean. W- wow. We. <laughs> Pecos. I mean, you could. You could really. Yeah. It's, you know. That's for those folks in Texas. Uh <laughs> also, also with us, who is probably regretting suddenly being here. It is the BFD himself, Mr. Glenn Bittner. Hello, Glenn. How are you?
0: I'm just fine. Thank you.
1: <laughs> I didn't know there'd be dildo talk tonight.
0: Uh, <laughs> um, that's the only reason I'm here.
1: Oh, that is. <laughs> there you go. And, <laughs> and of course, uh, we have my right-hand man, the man who's been on a very long journey with me. He keeps coming back for more. We very much appreciate it. Hello, Mr. Ian Simmons. How are you, sir?
3: I'm doing great. Um, uh-huh. This will be a very interesting conversation. <laughs> uh
1: oh, I have a feeling I have a feeling uh, not everybody here enjoyed this movie, so this will be this will be fun. No, yeah, no, it's
3: it's not so much well, I don't I can't speak for anyone else, mm-hmm. but I had an experience watching this the other night. Um, the person who I don't think quite enjoyed the movie is not here with us, but she's married to me. so <laughs> that kind of affected the way that I viewed it.
1: Don't watch this one with your significant other. That's the less... That's the takeaway from this episode.
2: That's the litmus test. (laughs) That's the litmus (laughs) test.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tinder profile. If you make it on the first date, we'll watch Buckaroo Banzai. If you still are sitting there at the end of it, second date, guaranteed. (laughs) Well...
3: Yeah, that that, that question, that was like 17 years ago. I should have uh, done that profile, but no. I have a feeling, though, if if I had
1: put that on, yeah, it would have been a deal breaker. It probably would have been. Uh, So, Angelique, since it's been a little while, would you please try to give the synopsis of The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension?
2: Okay. Buckaroo Banzai is a neurosurgeon, astrophysicist, quantum physicist, and rock and roll samurai who has his uh, group, the, oh gosh, I've forgotten it now, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Hong Kong Cavaliers, thank you. I was about, yeah. (laughs) Um, And they're experimenting with some... Technology to break the dimensional barrier and go into the eighth dimension and unwittingly start an intergalactic war um, between two different species of aliens Mm -hmm. who hold the world hostage. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, there's
2: intrigue. There's lasers. There's
1: there's rock and roll.
2: Rock and roll. There's Peter Weller in a fantastic suit.
1: There's only one. There, there's Clancy Brown. <laughs> is in it? I mean, the 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 cast list of Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. I mean, Clancy Brown, you've got, you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd, Jeff Goldblum, Ellen Barkin, John Lithgow, I mean, and even the side characters, you're going to recognize many of those folks as well. I mean, Vincent uh, uh, Scavelli is in here as one of the Johns, uh, you know, Carl Wombly in here as John Parker. I mean, there's there's just this list of talent in this Wonderfully bizarre film that, if you ever wanted the definition of going all in on something and committing to a gimmick, this is the film. <laughs> so, uh, glad we'll start with you, Buckaroo Bods, I remember when you first saw it, and, and what are your initial feeling with this film?
0: Oh man, um, I remember seeing this at the Mark theater uh, Mm -hmm. out by me, um, which was the, the not quite second run theater. It was the, it was, it was that that spot before it was still at the major theaters, but hadn't made it to the budgets yet. That was Mm -hmm. the mark. That was the one we had cost me 99 cents. Yeah, it was, it was a steal. I mean, this was also, I mean, this is 30. How many years ago?
1: Yeah. Well, it was 84. 84.
0: So, no, not quite 30 years yet, but yeah. almost. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, no. Uh, not quite 40 years.
1: Not for 40 years. Yeah. Oh, 30, 37 in a row. Anyway. Um.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, remember, I remember going with a friend of mine and we saw it and we immediately went and watched
1: it again. Yes. <laughs> Well so, for that I mean,
0: price. Of course we're gonna see it again. <laughs> I was gonna say um, for that
1: price, it's cheaper than a video rental.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I remember watching it twice, and then uh I ran a Star Frontiers game based off of the movie. Nice. So um yeah, I I had I had such a kick out of this one. Um and probably still well, I know I still call to this day. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone says booty, I'd be like, boot, hey. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, I think you summed it up really well with me. You know, I mean, they went all in. And they're just like, yep, this is what we're doing. And we're going to do it. And then we're going to release it to the public. we did it.
3: And they will summarily
1: reject it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Many people have been rejected. Many ma- still wait on the sequel.
1: Yeah, me too. The promised sequel. We were promised a sequel. Damn it! And that would have yeah. that would have been beautiful. Angelique, do you remember when you first saw this film and your feeling with it?
2: Um, I was in college, and I was blown away hmm. because it's it's just right down my little weirdo alley.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's definitely its own got its own identity, that's for sure, Mister Ian Simmons. What about you, sir?
3: Um, well, I saw this. I think the late, i uh, probably the latest latecomer mm. to this party. Uh, I saw it within the last ten years. Oh, okay. I wrote about it for for kicking the seat. It's just mm. one of those movies that you know. I think I was like seven years old when it came out so I had no like point of reference I would hear people talk about it but I just never saw it out and then finally someone was like you should really watch this and so I did and I I really dug it now in fairness there is a period that I talk about sometimes and usually it's in a negative context where for several years I was getting very little sleep and the sleep I was getting was bad sleep Mm -hmm. as opposed to now where I get very little sleep but it's at least you know, good sleep because I had sleep apnea, which I've since sure. treated and cured. So there are a whole year's worth of movies that I've seen and some that I've reviewed that I have no memory of. Wow. Um, and it affected the way that I watched the movie. So mm. I'll watch something like, man, this is terrible. I'll go back like years later and watch them like, ah, this is actually pretty good. I think I was just <laughs> sleep deprived. With Buckaroo Banzai, I watched it for the second time last night or the night before with my wife. And I didn't remember most of it, mm-hmm. and I think it was the fact that it was kind of indefensible to someone who I was like, "Oh, this is this is uh, a, a time jumping space comedy adventure." That's how I sold it to her to watch it with me. <laughs> and then I'm watching. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not laughing. Neither is she. I can't understand half of what the characters are saying because they're saying it either like through rubber masks or like these really bizarre accents, or there's rock music playing. Um, The story doesn't make sense. I made the mistake of watching like five minutes of the making of on the Blu-ray where the director was saying, yeah, the screenwriter was big into like serials, which was fine because that's what we wanted. Kind of riffing off Indiana Jones. But he would send us 20 pages of story. We'd give him notes and then he'd send back 20 pages of a completely different story, not a revision, (laughs) but a completely different story and that was the screenwriting process for the entire movie and watching it with that in the back of my head i'm like yeah this is like issue this is like a crossover issue 475,000 of a series that's been going on for 80 years it's fun but i feel like i need to watch it another 5 times in order to wrap my head around it which is to say i was embarrassed to watch this the other night uh but I'm
1: going with my first impression, which is
3: that it's great.
1: <laughs> hey, it's good to hear because, yes, I think it's great. I mean, I everybody knows I have quirky tastes in films, and I, I love this. I And part of the reason for me the appeal is, one, the cast. They have mm-hmm. so many big names, even for when it came out in 84. A lot of names are in this film. And it's another one of those. I'll put it in the category along with Flash Gordon from 1980 that it was – a little bit ahead of its time of what they were trying to do versus the time it came out. Because now comic book movies are are fucking every we got series, we've got it. It's the genre. And I was just trying to think, you know, man, what if the, you know, like Flash Gordon, even this film, what if it came out today? You know, I could definitely see this becoming more of a series, like on Netflix or something, being a quirky. Amazon flicks, that picks up a huge following because all those elements are there. Big names, a budget. There is a budget to this. I mean, the special effects, in all honesty, for the type of film it is, aren't bad at James all. James, huh?
0: his gun should do a Buckaroo Banzai series.
1: Oh, my God. He would oh. be...
0: Either him or, or uh, Taika Waititi. Oh...
1: Mm. <laughs> oh. Yes. Uh, either one of them would be wonderful because, I mean, yeah, folks, we, we the, I mean, it, you you know what you're into. It, even if you'd never read the comic that uh, this was based off the comic, right, that came out? Or did this come out first and then the comic, Glenn? I think they did a tie-in, tie you know? right? This wasn't a pre-existing thing, was it? I
3: don't think so.
0: No?
1: Oh, okay. I wasn't quite sure. I did know they did a comic like soon after. And what's funny is
0: You're making it, me remember things from 38 years I'm, ago. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: sorry. There is there is a connection though between this film and Liza Minnelli, Robert De Niro, New York, New York, in that the writer wrote both films. So uh, <laughs> he only wrote four movies. That's yeah, he only wrote four movies. Uh, Bunkaroo Bodzai was his second last film. Go figure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it is directed as well uh, by uh, uh, the director who uh, wrote the uh, original uh, Slither. He wrote the screenplay for The Invasion of the Body Snatchers in 78, and he directed this. He only directed two films, W.D. Richter. But... You could see that kind of spirit from like Slither and Invasion Body Snatcher '78 in here, but I mean, the film opens with the crawl, and you get that Buckaroo Badzai is a world-famous brain surgeon, astrophysicist, rock and roll samurai. <laughs> Though we never get to see his samurai skills, I was highly disappointed. I think they were there. It was That was
3: the Chekhov's gun sort of thing. They, we see it in his trailer, but that was probably for like movie number two when he takes on the crime syndicate.
1: Right. I would have figured they'd show up in the crime syndicate because he does meditate. He does at one point. He's wearing uh, samurai garb. And in fact, when he does his speed car test, he puts on the bandana a la Karate Kid. Yeah. Uh, it, I, you know, I was, go ahead. Oh, go ahead.
3: Uh, I was going to say, the the weird thing is I forgot that this came out in 84 so when i was watching it uh for the second time Mm. i was like there's an awful lot of back to the future in this movie (laughs) there's there's christopher lloyd there's the car going you know incredible speeds in order to like essentially disappear and reappear and then there's a little flux capacitor thing in the triangle i'm like man zemeckis would have been must have been pissed (laughs) i'm thinking no wd richter must have been pissed when a year after this thing came and went you've got this cultural phenomenon called back to the future, which is like the same movie.
1: Well, there's actually a lot of influences in here. Wouldn't you say, uh, Angelique, if you watch this film and you watch sci-fi films that came out after, I'm like sitting there going, man, people have borrowed from this film quite a bit.
2: (laughs) Oh oh, yeah. You know, between the, the, you know, ragtag group of, yeah. amazingly skilled paramilitary special forces <laughs> scientists and the technology I mean and even the, the, the creatures and the, the dimensional ships and everything you know I like to do world melding mm-hmm. like in my mind uh, Breaking Bad is a continuation of Malcolm in the Middle Cal got <laughs> tired of Lois and the family burned down the house, moved out to West and started a new life as Walter White became the teacher, got the cancer and all that. <laughs> so with with this, I'm like, okay, so Doc Brown is actually an alien <laughs> who's trying to redo the technology. So yeah. With a with yeah. a
1: DeLorean, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 And yeah. you know, uh well, we all know what happens to you know Buckaroo Banzai. He ends up joining law enforcement and going to New Detroit, but he gets all damaged up and ends up becoming a cybernetic law enforcement officer. Right. Yeah, poor exactly. bastard.
2: Yeah, he tries, to, he tries to save the world and, and gets his parts handed to him. He gets handed
1: to him. <laughs> Biff, what about you? Do you see a lot of uh, influence? Do you see this film influencing a lot of sci-fi stuff we got after this? Even though the game movie itself wasn't that huge, <laughs> sure. <laughs> like I mean, I mean,
0: but, yeah. just I mean, I mean, think about when It came out, mm-hmm. and and then think of I mean, I I can I could easily see as I, as I mentioned, like uh, you know, a series of this done by like a James Gunn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm I would put money in the fact that James Gunn likes this movie. <laughs> um because it's you know and and you know and when you when you mentioned like you know when you first said like the influence of that that's one of the first things I thought of was like uh who said like the you know his little group of this ragtag band and I'm like like Guardians of the Galaxy and like every ragtag band that you've seen where it's the you know like how do these people get together like you just happen to have these people. It's like, he's a scientist and a martial artist type type of stuff. I mean, that's what this led to is those kind of multi-purpose people that, you know, Mm -hmm. that was a, I mean, I spoke kind of in a way, this is almost like, I can see kind of being like a riff on like a double O seven type character of the whole, you know, it's, it's it's just there you have, you know, international, you know, like James Bond is like, you know, the playboy and the super spy and all that. And then you have the, well, what if he was also a rock star and a brain surgeon?
3: Well, the, the, the one thing that, that occurred to me this time was, you know, aside from the comic book and the hit record albums, Buckaroo Banzai is essentially Elon Musk. <laughs> I mean, he's, you know, he's a multi-billionaire. He's an international superstar appears in all this media. Uh, he is doing all sorts of crazy stuff like sending things to space and trying to create, uh, you know, technology that will allow monkeys to like move things with their minds.
1: I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the feeling I kind of got, too, was, was I'm glad you mentioned Elon Musk because I'm trying to put my finger on it going, wow, who does he seem similar to? You know, you know but I could solve world hunger
0: or I could make telepathic monkeys, <laughs> sorry, telekinetic monkeys,
2: telepathic Telekinetic monkeys, hands down every time.
3: Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, the the telekinetic monkeys can can move the food to where it needs to go. let see. There he you took
2: the words right out of my mouth.
3: There you go. Combine that with the Amazon drones. We're gonna have flying monkeys. He'll just be just like Oz. <laughs> <laughs> the drones. I don't.
0: I don't trust, trust monkeys. Mon- since I saw one with a uh, razor blade in a movie. So yeah, that's
1: true. That's true. There is, there yeah. is that. <laughs> Speaking of monkeys, I love how the aliens call every. I use the quote Glenn mentions it. I, I adore this film. I've watched it many times. I quote it often. Every so often, I'll go, "Hey, hey monkey boy, you know, <laughs> you stupid monkey boy." Someone will cut me off or something. I'll just say, "Ah, you stupid monkey boy." <laughs> Just, just, just be careful where you say that. Mark. Well, yeah, be very, very careful with well, that. Well, yes, yes. yes. No, in my car, <laughs> and I'm in the central Wisconsin, okay, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, but, I mean, I, I've quoted a lot of things uh, from this film uh, because it had a dead impression on me because I hadn't watched anything like it before. And, I mean, the influences, another one that pops to mind with the story is Men in Black. Comes mm. to mind with this, as far as you've got two alien races who are actually very similar, they refer to themselves different.' they're, they're uh, uh, they look just a little different, but pretty much the same. Um, they the most that you know that there's a difference is that they refer to themselves. And in fact, you know one is just a basically a spinoff faction of their society. But you get the war, you know Earth is basically just caught in the middle of an interplanetary war between species. Uh, just like kind of in men in black, and it was flashing back to that, you know, s- including the big ship orbiting Earth, threatening to cause the destruction of Earth. I'm like, holy crap, <laughs> like
3: mm-hmm. yeah, then, then Lithgow's uh, Lizardo character was essentially uh, an alien trapped in a human's body, just mm-hmm. kind of trying to figure out how he could <laughs> get back home and assume power. Um, there's there's you know, they live. Yeah. the whole thing with the uh, <laughs> Bakru bonsai gets what the electrical shock and then all of a sudden he can see everybody and uh see the the creature alien creatures for what they are um yeah and that's that's what's funny about movies like this is i always wonder is it that these things are based on older stories that i just don't know about like short stories where there's uh sunglasses that you can see you know aliens walking around or is it that john carpenter Watched Bakaru Banzai and he's like, that would make an awesome political allegory. I'm gonna call it "They Live." (laughs) Well, I mean, aliens hiding. I'm
0: I'm pretty sure that that uh, "They Live" was uh, was the original one was written by Shakespeare. I'm pretty sure.
3: Oh, they they liveth.
2: Yes, they liveth. liveth. Yes, (laughs) verily, place these spectacles upon thine visage. Thou
1: shalt see yeah. I haveth doth arrive to acquire some chewing... <laughs> some... Hark! Hark! An unpleasant creature! Hark, unpleasant creature! I have come here to consume chewable consumables <laughs> and, and dispense justice through my boot and your rear, and no. thus I am out. Of the chewable.
2: Oh,
1: I am out of Well, Buckaroo Banzai is not Shakespeare, but this, the dialogue and this script and everything, what I love about it is the world building they do with this film. I mean, you know, there's films that try to do fantasy worlds and that and, and everything, but... When we say they go all in, they go all in. Buckaroo Banzai is a known name. He's got a big-ass bus. He's got a group of guys around him, as we mentioned before, which is a little different. They're all very talented and equal in their own way, which is a bit different than what you might expect when you have the title character and he's got his, you know, his hanger-ons or his buddies, but they all got their specialties, but no one's near the level of him. But, I mean, we, open, we have that seed where he's literally with Jeff Goldblum Delivering his lines in the most Jeff Goldblum way of Jeff Goldblum. And they're doing brain surgery and they're bantering back and forth on kind of an equal level of sorts. And you're like, wait. And then he asks them to join his group. And then you get the group and you're like, oh, you look at these guys, they got their guns and that. They look kind of like, you know, just his, his security detail and that. But then they're talking scientific terms and that, using the equipment and shit. Just like Bucker, it's like, wow. <laughs> you know. I mean, I, I found this kind of refreshing. I mean, uh, Biff, what do you think? I mean, it, it's a little different for your group dynamic for, you know, when you have a title character like Buckaroo Banzai.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I, I personally believe that that the writer was, was Rouch or how you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. I mean I'm just thinking he was watching MTV one day and said, "Man, what if Adam Ant had his own movie?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, thanks. Now I will never not see he does, Bucker. Though. He does look like Adam Ant. You're Oh absolutely. gosh, yeah.
0: And i and just thinking I'm just like, you know, it's it's and then then he got super high on, you know, probably some heroin laced, you know, pot in the 80s and then wrote this script. <laughs> I then said, you know what this needs is John Lithgow and Jeff Goldblum. And. <laughs> well, I not mean, that just checks
2: out, John yeah. Lithgow, a that sweaty- chick
0: from Eddie and the Cruiser. She could play someone's twin sister.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what were you going
1: to say, Angelique?
2: <laughs> and not just John Lithgow, but a sweaty toothed, grungy, awful John Lithgow.
1: <laughs> Doing a bad Italian accent. Yeah. You know. <laughs>
2: I thought he was Russian. I, I thought he was
1: supposed to be Russian, too, but... It kind of changes. Uh, it, it, yeah. yeah. it Well, and you don't actually see him for a lot of the film either. You get to see him at the beginning a bit, you know, in the asylum, we'll say the asylum, where, Angelique, we could go along and combine your universe because the guard who gets killed was actually for a while a minion for a... A radio, uh, a TV station guy who, you know, at one point, (laughs) I guess he retired and became an asylum guy. The guard that gets killed, I think he was in UHF, uh, if I remember correctly. He
2: was also in uh, Breaking Bad.
1: And he was also in Breaking Bad. There you go. (laughs) All, all roads lead to, all roads lead to Buckaroo Bonsai, man. Really, though, well, and one of the things that this film does well, I think, is the world building. Like I said, they commit to it, so you can immediately buy into that this group of individuals live within this world and they're accepted. I mean, not only does he have those folks, Angelique, but he's got the blue blazers who are civilians who are part of his fan club that also help him... Take out bad guys?
2: Yeah. Uh, Andy's got a direct line to the president. I mean, Buck goes all the way to the top.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> and has no problems enlisting children in warfare, apparently. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, well, love I love the, the child soldiers, yeah.
0: Just just more parallels to Adam Yeah!
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I mean, if the kid's any good, I mean, well, why, he, why waste talent?
1: He knows how it, because later on, when they get to the big thing of going to uh, the uh, big factory where the ship is being built, because the story is, folks, that Buckaroo... Because we're we're all over the place, kind of like the movie, but Buckaroo Banzai successfully does his experiment of crossing the eighth dimension. We, as we mentioned, the Interstellar War, well, he ended up uh, showing that there is a way for these refugees... Aliens have been on our planet, the bad guys, uh, since War of the Worlds. Because we have a link to War of the Worlds as well, to where, yeah, the broadcast that Orson Welles initially said the aliens were coming and then said, no, 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 it's a radio broadcast. It turns out aliens did actually arrive, and they brainwashed him into saying it was a radio (laughs) broadcast. You know,
2: Orson Welles being zapped in the brain by aliens explains a lot about later years <laughs> it,
1: it, it does it really does actually so you can buy it you can definitely buy into this theory <laughs> i'm playing a big planet eating robot what i just just read the lines arson just read the lines oh okay um, <laughs> but yeah i mean it's just it's it's Bibloid the connections they make and you've got this group of people who've been there that long. They connected to the War of the Worlds, they've got this big factory, they figure they'll steal the overthruster so they could make it across the eighth dimension to rescue the rest of the soldiers that have been banished there and then go back to their alien planet, Planet Ten. <laughs> um Which I love. Not instead of planet nine, it's it's Planet 10. Planet 10. Planet 10. And they are going to take it over. And so you get the big showdown. And yeah, one of the blue blazers is a kid with a machine gun who shows he can actually fire it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, his
3: dad's a helicopter pilot.
2: What? (laughs) He has one of the best lines in the whole movie. Freeze or I'll drink your blood. I mean... Yeah.
1: Yeah, Regardless of what enhancements the writer may have had in his brain at the time of writing this there are some wonderful memorable quotes including one that i definitely use a lot is good old at one point our rockers okay so Bucker bonsai in a day in this is his day he does the brain surgery helicopters out to an experimental site drives his fast car breaks through the eighth dimension." Then he goes and rocks out at a concert, <laughs> where he meets a girl who ends up. He figures being the twin of his ex-wife, who he still loves. Go figure. But at one point, he's telling uh, he he opens a concert with. Remember, wherever you go, there, there you, you are. are. There you are. <laughs> I have quoted that so many times. And yep. just, go
0: ahead. My, I measure the character of a person if they can answer the question when I say, "Why is there a watermelon there?" <laughs> <laughs> if they can come up with the right answer. I'll be friends with that person until the day I die.
1: <laughs> yeah, because Buckaroo's got a compound too, right, Ian? <laughs> oh yeah.
3: Yeah, he, he does. Um, what's what's one of the interesting things about this movie is uh, you know, a lot of these films that that we've seen in later years they'll go with a conventional technique we've seen it in men in black where you'll have the character who is outside that represents the audience that gets taken into this world they're like the the wide-eyed like oh my god i can't believe there's this whole secret society of alien hunters you know that Mm -hmm. that's like Will smith uh in this movie it's ostensibly it's kind of jeff goldblum and it's kind of ellen barkin but they both uh, that that quality of those characters just kind of gets absorbed into the the wackiness because um, Jeff Goldblum is yeah he's just a, a neurosurgeon working alongside Buckaroo Banzai and he gets invited to the team. It's like yeah, can you sing? was like I, I guess kind of, um, but pretty soon he's just like walking around wearing you know a, a cowboy <laughs> outfit and, and fighting space aliens or interdimensional aliens. That part kind of gets. Dropped off because we're following like three or four other different plot points in the movie, um, mm-hmm. and Ellen Barkin's character Penny Pretty, um, I think she's honestly the weakest link mm-hmm. in this movie. And I, I think I think Bakuru Banzai would have been better off if she were not in the f- film because she suffers the most from the disjointed storytelling. Um, she's in one scene getting bailed out of jail after having almost blown her brains out in the club the next scene she's sitting at on the dais in a press conference where they're <laughs> unveiling this program to the world and she's answering like she's she's talking like one of the rest of his you know co-scientist cabals like giving good answers to questions like what the fuck is going on here <laughs> and not and not honestly not in a good way in yeah. the did i miss six scenes between the one that i just saw kind of a way
1: you did. They just never filmed them. They were on pages that they just left out because.
3: <laughs>
0: well, that was, that was the 80s montage scene that would have been there that were showing her like getting training and all that stuff. Reading books. I would have
1: loved that. to have
3: seen that. <laughs> but it, the thing is, like, it's it's an interesting idea that she might have been the twin sister. But then I'm like, since they don't address it, my logic brain kicks into overdrive. I'm like, okay, so did his ex-wife or girlfriend never mention that she had a twin sister? Uh, does Ellen Barkin's character have amnesia? Did she not know that her sister was married to frickin' Buckaroo Banzai? Nope. Whatever was going on here?
1: You're missing those key elements during that pivotal, very emotional jail scene that you had, where she mentioned that she was adopted. So she was adopted at a very young age, so the sisters didn't know each other existed because she was adopted, I believe, as a baby. So therefore... They got separated, and she didn't know that she had a twin sister either. So how did he figure this out? Because she looks he's like
2: Buckaroo Banzai. yeah, and
1: he's Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah,
3: yeah. I again, like, that's that's stuff that if you're gonna put into a movie <laughs> and spend that much time with these characters, I, I I need a bit more than than that randomness.
2: I think I think what it was when he was meditating in the trailer van he had his wife's picture next to him Mm -hmm. and there's probably some deleted scene about him you know going up to whatever meditative space and uncovering the truth and connecting the dots
1: well well no in in the jail scene she mentions where she's from which he doesn't explain he doesn't you miss that dialogue. It's expected you kind of to be with Buckaroo as he puts it together in his head. She comes from the same area his wife did. So he doesn't say it, but he, and then she talks about how she was adopted. And that's when he's like, of course, a twin sister. And everybody goes, of course, whatever. Uh, because <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling with it by this point. I don't he Buckaroo could say anything. I'll just be like, he knows he's freaking brain surgeon, astrophysicist, rock and roller whatever he tells me and conclusion he comes to i'm fine with you know well i think
3: the issue i've i've got is that if that's that's an interesting idea and i think that deserves to be explored in a story somewhere but her character ends up being the kind of cliche damsel oh, yeah. in the stress, you know she's got legs that go on for miles and we're just going to showcase them while she's in peril there's nothing really much to her character except being uh you know, kind of crazy, kind of you know cryy kind of needy and needing to be you know pulled out of jams, you know, which you know we had a lot in that era, but watching it now i 'm like i again, just either do something with it or cut it all out
1: what what do you say biff? Should they just have cut maybe her character out i mean they, he's got plenty of other characters to be in peril, right i mean i mean the, it was the
0: wow. There's a lot of cock in this movie. We need a woman. That's what it was, I think, and they just threw her in there, because they're like, you know, this is a this is a sausage fest. We need we need a woman. Well, what are you gonna do? I, don't
3: know. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, you know, thinking about the the whole James Gunn idea, which I think is 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 an awesome one. Um, you know, they could do like a Walking Dead style thing where they just have a TV show that goes on for decades of just like the <laughs> ongoing crazy adventures. But I think in a modern context. Uh, there would have been a woman or two or three, as part of his inner circle, as mm-hmm. one of the Cavaliers. And if there was a love interest, there would have been more, you know, dimension to her. I just, I, I, I think as I like Ellen Barkin as an actress, so it's just kind of like weird to see her in this part where it's like, oh, she, and I guess it's kind of early
1: in her career, but like, I, they, it, they do have another character that is part of his, as you mentioned, cabal or whatnot, but she's not. Portrayed as as being as far as like another astrophysicist or nothing. There is the Mrs. Johnson character who shows up, but oh, yeah, she, she's the one that that tells Ellen Barkin you can't go in there. That's where the boys hang out. Right. That's where the. Boys, <laughs> that's right. But she shows up later and taking the message from the aliens to the president to show the president that uh, Buck Ruanzai isn't crazy and there are actual aliens that want to blow up the Earth.
3: You're right. She was a very important secretary in that role. She
1: was. I mean, she is a secretary. I'm just saying there's a <laughs> character that they could have probably had as easily be the Lady in Distress character versus having Ellen Barkin's character in there. Angelique, do you think they just kind of put Ellen's character in there because it is a sausage fest? Um. Well,
2: I mean, every every good comic needs... Uh, a set of boobs <laughs> <So>. <laughs> in this case
1: legs but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
2: now i'm i'm trying to think is there supposed to be another like musical scene in this movie or am i thinking of another movie
1: no there was only the one scene where he sings a cover where it is actually peter weller singing too i believe um
2: okay because I, I keep I, I must be confusing this wackadoo movie with another completely wackadoo movie, <laughs> where I thought there was a band, a, a, a female band, who sang um, one of the waitresses' songs. Oh, and then Buckaroo Banzai comes on.
1: It. I don't think, unless it was in a deleted scene, maybe I don't think so. Uh, all the version I've seen, uh, no, it basically opens with uh, collars up guitars ready, and the audience cheering as they come on stage right after he's broken the eighth dimension. Um, You know, (laughs) so...
2: which I don't know what I'm using this with. Of course, it could be a fever dream. I don't know.
1: I'd be open to seeing that, or, you know, an equally equivalent rock and roll brain surgeon... You're,
0: uh, You're probably thinking because Clancy Browson, who was in Highlander series, and then you... Jump from there to the Highlander TV series, which Joan Jet was in. You're probably just thinking of Joan Jet. There
1: you go. Oh, there you oh, go.
2: No, this is Joan Jet was in the Highlander
3: TV. TV show. Yes. Wow.
2: Yeah. No, this I gotta is go a, watch
3: the Highlander it, TV show.
2: <laughs> it's a complete scene, and they sing "Johnny, Are You Queer?"
1: Oh. No, I, Ooh. I, as far as I know, that's never been in. i
2: have to, I'll have to hunt around on IMDb or something because. I know there's a movie where it's some weird twisted plot, and, and to my thinking, it added more to Penny's backstory. Mm-hmm. And that's why she was sad and crying and wanted to kill herself because, like, Battle of the Band, I don't know, maybe. The, I'm, it, it, I'm it, hallucinating.
1: It, no, it might have been in a deleted scene. It's hard to say. I, I will say, though, that uh, there was supposed to be a scene with, I do remember now, I think it's on YouTube, there is a, supposed to be a scene where it's Buckaroo Banzai as a kid, And he's got a mom and dad. And one of the characters, the mom, is played by Jamie Lee Curtis. Whoa. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis played his mom, but it is in a deleted scene. I have seen it on YouTube for a while. Um, I don't know if it's still up there, but it it blew me away because it shows him as a kid. It it was an, an alternate opening rather than the opening the way they have it, you know, with the scroll. And then him doing brain surgery, basically, and them preparing the car and all that. It was actually like a home footage of Buckaroo as a young kid, like showing his smarts and everything with very intelligent parents.
3: Was that after his mom had survived that, uh, that encounter with the serial killer? And then she had like moved several towns away and changed her name from Lori Strode.
1: I'm just trying to go with it, this whole united it, it, universe. I, I'm theory. all for it. I mean, we're we're connecting all kinds of things in here. <laughs> um, and Angelique, you
0: might you might I don't know maybe you might be thinking of Valley Girl. I might. Or for that song, Johnny, are you queer?
1: Oh yeah, there and is Josie that,
0: Cotton sings yeah. that song in Valley Girl.
1: That's true. That's true. So okay.
2: yeah, see, I'm getting two wackadoo movies all <laughs> tangled up.
1: So uh, pulling up a little bit of... uh, I'm sure this is a very informative episode for folks. um, Pulling up... There's a lot of trivia for it, uh, including apparently that the end sequence... Again, we're jumping around, but this wonderful end sequence where we get a cast walk and they're walking to the (laughs) beat uh, with the wonderful Buckaroo Banzai soundtrack. And you may be wondering, well, how did they get them all to the beat? Did they record the track or whatnot? Apparently he told the entire cast during the credit sequence march to think of Uptown Girl. That's what the composer said. And it's the beat. If you look at it, it's Uptown Girl beat that they're marching to. Wow. And then he did the Buckaroo Banzai theme later. do 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 I love that theme. Uh, I, 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 I love and that to show. answer an earlier question, his
0: Gow's accent is Italian. Yeah. Because he recorded... A tailor on the 20th century Fox lot and then had the guy had the Taylor read the lines because the tailor had a thick Italian accent. And that's what he based his accent off of.
1: <laughs> wow. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> I looked that up. I didn't just know that.
1: John <laughs> well, that's because John that's because Lithgow rocks. So and uh to to your point, Ian, you're you're spot on and and uh, Glenn, you're spot on as well. Peter Weller stated that his he drew inspiration from <laughs> Elijah Kazan, Adam Ant, and Jacques Yves Cousteau and combined them to help make his persona Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> so, All right. So there you go. So much trivia for this. Uh, in, an, in the film, a comic based on Buckaroo Banzai shown in reality, Marvel did, in fact... Oh, it's a Marvel! It's a Marvel film. <laughs> Fuck the Thor movie. I want Buckaroo Bonsai in the MCU. <laughs>
0: uh and then I mean, and you can have a crossover, James Gunn doing There's the galaxy well, Buckaroo bonsai crossover. Oh my
3: god. Well, because Jeff Goldblum played the uh the the cosmic guy <laughs> he played in, in The Guardians yep. too, right? So yeah. What if that is New Jersey, just uh, <laughs> one too many times through the dimension machine. He just like became part of the universe. Or we could uh, stick
0: with the theme, and that could be Jersey's unknown twin brother. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Because Jersey was adopted.
1: From another planet. Oh. That's why he's so smart. Look at this. Yeah. We're, just, we're just connecting all the dots, folks, to this film.
2: Uh. Now we have got a shoehorn Nick Cage in here, and it'll be perfect. <laughs>
1: Somehow we gotta work Nick Cage in here. Well,
3: Nick Cage was a ghostwriter for two quote unquote movies. There
2: <laughs> <laughs> you, you go. Now, I don't want Nick Cage then. I want Nick Cage like now.
1: Oh, mm-hmm.
2: like, like Mandy. Ah, Nick cage.
1: C- crazy cage. You want severe crazy cage, like
2: dad bod cage.
1: Dad, po- dad bod cage. He'll, everybody joins the
3: MCU eventually. I mean, hell, his the reason he's called Nicolas Cage is because of a damn
1: Marvel Comics character. So Yeah, that's he, true. It, it's only a matter of time. Everything belongs to the McU. But uh, back <laughs> to the uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, I mean, we've got our aliens who I thought it was interesting that one group of the aliens are Rastafarian. <laughs> Angelique, what'd you think with our aliens? The the bad guys uh camouflage themselves as sick white guys and the good middle
2: aged white men. Middle aged
1: <laughs> white men and the good and the good aliens uh show themselves as Rastafarians. what do you think of our aliens?
2: Well, it was a an imaginative concept as far as the disguises went. Um I loved that they're all named John. Whatever, mm-hmm. John Big Bouquet, John Smallberry. <laughs> <you know? laughs> <You know? laughs> I I don't. I'm like the most generic name on the planet, combined with the random object. Yeah, John rocking chair. You know,
1: <laughs> John Walker. You know, John Walker. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
2: you know it it was kind of it was interesting and i I liked the um like the hologram communication thing
1: Mm -hmm. you know
2: the the queen alien looked like the the future folks from uh bill and ted
1: Mm -hmm. yeah they even had had the glitter a bit going on with them too
2: yeah um that
1: and I, I like the design of their ships and the biotech. It was it was rather Cronenberg esque in a lot Very of ways. Very much so, yeah. It uh, was a
2: little goofy there towards the end with the uh, insulating liquid. That was gross. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: that was that was rather gross. I, I I love Peter. I love Buckaroo Banzai's reaction to that. What is that? <laughs> <He's>, what's <laughs> that? What's the... Oh, it's insulating liquid. It's like one of the and only, he only times
2: he didn't even respond. He just looked at him like. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, because it's like one of the only times Bucker actually like loses his cool. Because even when he's getting tortured by our uh, uh, Italian uh, mad scientist, he, he's still playing it cool. Like I'm not telling you anything, and he's sweating, and he's getting you know genitals electrocuted and everything. He's fine. No, he's in an alien ship, and this 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 cloudy liquid starts pouring out. He's like, ah, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> What's what is it, Biff?
0: The sad trivia I just learned is the original director of photography for this film was uh, Jordan uh, Conanweth, Mm -hmm. who did Blade Runner.
1: Wow.
0: He was hired specifically because of his ability to, to, you know, for his rich color and texture. And the producer replaced him against the wishes of pretty much the entire crew. And the director, because he wanted to look, he wanted it to look more campy.
1: Wow! Mm. So
0: the, the 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 nightclub scene with the with the famous "wherever wherever mm. you go, there you are" line. That's one of the only scenes that remains that was shot by Cronenweth. Wow!
1: Which, Which, if you look at the way it's shot, the the way you mentioned it now, I could see it. I could yeah. totally see that the way that scene is shot. I'm just now. My now my mind is thinking what's, what it would look like. Oh man! It,
0: it kept him on for the whole feature.
1: That is he still alive? Uh, uh, that would that would have been mind blowing. The way they would have shot that, that would have been interesting. Um, I mean, I don't mind the camp. I think the camp is fitting. Um, technically wise, no.
3: no. Oh, I was gonna no. say because James Gunn could just call him up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> How about a redo? He died 25 years
3: ago. Ooh, oh, so it's really out of the question.
1: Yeah, yeah, not, not yet. Only 61. Yeah, not, not yet. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we don't have that technology yet, and then they can, you know, the or do we or do we? (laughs) Hmm. But I love the bioorganic technology they had for these aliens. Um, I mean, their ships. None of the two ships we get to see. uh, There's only one that's symmetrical, and that's the one the flight pod with the wings that gets shot down by the rednecks. Otherwise, the other two ships that we see are not symmetrical at all, and they're not streamlined like we're used to seeing ships. I mean, the one looks like a old tree log. So I loved that. I loved how they're on these huge chairs for their control panels, too. And, yeah, I mean, it. not only that, but technically, and I want to get everybody's just quick opinion. Is it just me? I think this is one of the only films to where they have multiple, like, voices on a radio or over the announcement speaker that's describing things that actually has impact of what, like, is going on on screen. For instance, Buckaroo Banzai's at the speeding car, and the guys on the radio are explaining there's vibration on your car And it's not, the audio isn't, like, very up front. It's just as if it's just on the radio off to the side that he's not paying much attention to. But it says there's uh, impact stuff on your glass. He goes over to the glass and looks. There's a vibration under your car. He goes under the car, finds the parasite thing. And I'm like, okay. But later on as well, when they're in the big warehouse, there's announcements over the speaker. And if you listen to the announcements, they pertain to what's going on. I mean... (laughs) Mm-hmm. does that help with the world world building? Cause it actually applies to what's going on.
3: I think, I think it can. I didn't, I picked up on the, on the, the test, uh, the test run stuff, but not so much the, what you're we talking about at the end. Yeah. But you know, it, it probably just blended so well into the, the <laughs> texture of the movie that I just, you know, I was like, Oh, that's, that's cool. My brain wasn't thinking about but, that. I, I, um,
1: well, I, I've watched this like 20 times. so you know. That'll do it.
2: They needed it, I think, because the the red electron monsters or whatever they're mm-hmm. called, I think they were just all inherently stupid, except for like Big Boute and uh, John Lithgow's character. Mm-hmm. So they had to be told, "Don't let him get shot. <laughs> get on board the ship now. We're about to leave." <laughs> you know, so I don't think it was like any kind of a driving force it was just a you know kind of a, a queen bee worker bee situation
1: Dr. Lizardo looking like a lizard oh uh, <laughs> Glenn what about you with the announcements did you notice that at all did, did that help kind of with the world or am I just the only one that per- noticed because I watched it so many times
0: yeah you're weird <laughs> <laughs>
1: It, it, it works okay it, it's there
3: <laughs> well one thing I'll, i will say mark mm-hmm. you mentioned the the kind of the biomechanoid quality of these uh, of this technology yeah uh you know there's uh, H.R. Giger, I don't know if he was an influence, but there was that sort of like the biomechanical uh, influence. But I'm thinking about another movie that might have stolen from this one is Galaxy Quest, uh, <laughs> because the the giant aliens and that with the kind of like the weird lobster claw looking you know tentacles coming out. They also had these crazy looking spaceships that looked sort of like the craft that we see that mm-hmm. the hunters were shooting at uh, earlier in this movie. Um, yeah, I. I, I wonder how much the people who made this movie could have sued future filmmakers. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a statute of limitations or something, or if they could just have plausible deniability.
1: It, it probably is plausible deniability because it's changed just enough. So you can't claim it. But, um, but, I mean, that, but there's like a video essay waiting to be
3: done here of like the influences in modern sci-fi from coming from the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai.
1: It's, I mean, it's hard to miss. I'm glad you guys have brought it up because I thought I was, I was the only one to notice that you watch it now, especially watching it for today's show. I watched it just a little bit more than just, ah, oh, I love this movie too, being a little bit of a critical eye and noticing a lot of these things to where I'm like, wow. you know. I mean, like the computers too where they hack Yo-Yo Dine, which, <laughs> you know, Yo-Yo Dine systems, which, yes, this is before Cyberdyne. Systems. This is Yo-Yo Dine, so this was like the precursor to Cyberdyne. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, they're hacking it. And they're talking about ciphers, and they've got like the red monitor and that. But, I mean, ciphers are used for hacking, and, it, it, you know, that's where they found the list of John Johns. And I, I just loved that element <laughs> in there. But, again, more hacking-type stuff. It's like I, I just love all the influences this, this movie seems to have spawned. I mean, and maybe like you said, uh, I think you said it, it It could be because it borrowed from previous factors that have just been there in sci-fi forever. And it's just the flamboyancy of this film brings it to the forefront to where it's not being subtle at all. I mean, you know, you've got Buckaroo Banzai that the world knows and they don't just know him. They know his band because like in the jail cell that we talked about before, uh, uh, perfect uh the one of the girls in the cell recognize him <laughs> you know? um and, and where they go you know there's the buckaroo bonsai comic book and the one redneck goes oh it's the latest edition it's like yeah <laughs> there's very few films i've seen that have taken a character and just made them this known global entity you know
3: Well, it's almost like uh, what you might want to what you might expect from like if you panned out from like the Avengers, we kind of get that in in some of the Marvel TV shows uh, now like Falcon and Winter Soldier, where you see that, you know, Sam Wilson has a life beyond being the Falcon. You know, people recognize him and stuff in the street. This is like that to the nth degree where it's, you know, the fact that he's out there saving the world is sort of incidental to the rest of the story. (laughs) There's a lot of street level stuff kind of going on here.
1: There is, and and I'm not saying that it's not being done now, but especially when this came out, I think part of the impact was just the fact of they did go all in, they put this whole world together with a rather large budget. You're just like sitting there going, wow, you're immersed in it, and here you've got this larger-than-life character that, you know, is not a... He's a superhero, but he's not. I mean, this is one of those, like you said, a James Bond-type character to where... He does superhero things, but he's he doesn't have special powers. I mean, outside of getting shocked and being able to do the they live thing with seeing people, but he doesn't really have special powers. But, uh, Glenn, would you consider him a superhero?
0: I mean, in the same regard as I consider, you know, Tony Stark a superhero. Mm-hmm. or Or, I mean... He's more of a superhero than Green Arrow. (laughs) What do you do? I'm rich and I can shoot an arrow.
2: (laughs) No, I've never heard of Oliver. He sounds like a really cool guy.
1: (laughs) Why do you sound like Batman right now? I don't sound like Batman. What are you talking about? (laughs) No, I... Yeah, I mean, but it's just, again, it's a superhero comic book film that came out before they were cool because all we got and what a lot of expectation was was Superman as far as your comic book-based type style. And this was original that eventually spawned a comic book, but this was original content. But it's basically a comic book movie that, like I said, I think would fit better in today, you know, maybe – Cut back some of the camp, but it would fit in better today, I think, than it w- did when it came out. And I, it, it may have, you know, when you say it's ahead of its time, I'm not saying it's an intelligent movie by any means, but I'm saying what they do in this film, I think, was ahead of its time, and audiences weren't ready for this type of world and immersive and just wild stuff. Much like our 80s Flash, 1980, you know, M- Flash Gordon. I don't think. You had an audience that was used to seeing stuff like that. They were used to seeing Christopher Reeves. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and that's it. But he was in the world on Earth with humans, and everything was familiar. And it Metropolis, a.k.a. whatever, New York, whatever you know, it, it's all familiar stuff. And in here, yeah, you kind of have familiar things, but there's a lot of stuff that's just out there. So you know, would you say Angelique that this film was kind of ahead of its time as far as the concept coming out at that time versus your movie-going audience? Oh, completely. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. Um, and and even still, I think it's it's still a little it's still a little ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. You know, concept-wise, right? You know, it, it could do. It, i think i agree with you in that it would do very well as a show because mm-hmm. that would give us time to explore all of these different stories that are popping up that you get just a bite of because it's like you say you know it's like you're coming into the middle of, you're you're looking at episode you're you've got issue 15 yeah you don't know any of the backstory but this is still pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I but I do want to know what happened earlier.
1: Right. <laughs> well, and your cast of characters, each character is unique. It's not like he's got a bunch of guys who are the same. Each one of these guys got their own name, their own look, their own ability, you know, their little more expertise. There's a lot of story there for everybody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the relationship of how did he recruit those guys? We know how he recruited, you know, Jeff Goldblum in uh, Furry Chaps. But uh, we don't know how he recruited anybody else. You're right. There is a lot of story. Glenn, what about you? A little bit of ahead of its time as far as concept?
0: I don't know if I'd say it's ahead of time. I mean, I mean, there's plenty of camp mm-hmm. that existed. Sure. Um And I mean, just I mean the the fact that I mean, like if you look at like as you said, who Weller drew inspiration from. I mean, it's not like he created something brand new. He was right. pulling from things that already existed. Um, so I, I I don't think I would say it's ahead of his time. I I would say that it just was not what the general public. And I I mean I I, I mean if if you had it today, I mean it would be a completely different movie. True, it would be made. To be, I think more along the lines of like a Thor Ragnarok or mm-hmm. a Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's there's a little bit of camp, but it's not full on camp. Right. Um, so, I mean, I mean, I I've watched I watched so many movies in the '80s that I got at the video store, and you know, there's tons of movies that you know are campy like this. True. That were just made on you know shoestring budgets and weren't made by big theaters or big studios. So. Eh. I mean, it, it it's it was a gamble is what it was. It was a gamble sure. with you know with the budget and then the cast. You know, and, and this was obviously the, this is kind of wacky and out there. But hopefully, you know, we have enough big names for people to be like, Yeah, you know, all these people <laughs> are in it, it's gotta be good, right? Right? And it's gotta be good. I mean a movie with John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, yeah. Chevy Chase, that's gotta be a good movie, right? No, it's nothing <laughs> but <been> trouble.
1: <laughs> I knew you were going there, and I'm glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> <I'll>...
0: <laughs> so it, it's it's you know it's sometimes, they I, I think it was they took a shot and it bankrupted the studio. Yeah. So because I mean they had they didn't have plans to do a sequel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was the real name of the sequel they were going to do. The, what versus the.
1: The World, World Crime, Crime League. League yeah,
0: yeah. I mean that was the plan, but the movie bombed so badly the studio went bust.
1: And 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 bomb it did because it it grossed six million worldwide. <laughs> what was the and, budget? And, do You know, I'm not sure on the budget of it. I'd have to. Uh, I didn't have that.
0: And Gene Siskel predicted that it would become a cult movie.
1: Oh, did he really? <laughs> But before it was even released,
0: no, nope. he 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 said that this will become a cult a cult classic.
1: Wow, he was prophetic in that because it is. I mean, it's got a following. You can see why. I mean, there's there's no so its budget <clears throat> was around twelve million, and it made six worldwide. Opening weekend was $600,000. <laughs> oh. Ow. Uh, I just... Ow. Whew.
3: Yeah. That- Ooh, but, with the, but with those 99-cent tickets, that means like 600,000 people saw the movie opening weekend. That's all right.
0: <laughs> I didn't see it opening weekend.
3: Oh, well...
0: <laughs> I saw, but, it. I you saw know. it by like week four or five.
3: Mm. Well... And, it's... and you saw it twice, so that contributes to the six million. Yeah, I mean, my oh, my yeah. friend,
0: my friend and I, we we, you know, we're four bucks of that.
1: <laughs> I think I think I was about five or eight dollars of that too. I think my parents took me a couple times to go see it. Um, it was well, the, in its fairness, it looks like it was only doing a limited release, and maybe it got such critically panned that uh, that you know they decided not to do. It says limited. I'm trying to find the wide release of it. Oh, yeah, there it is, August 15th. So it did get the wide release on August 15th. Uh, that same month, uh, Red Dawn came out. Sheena, Chud, The Woman in Red. Oh, it went up against Tightrope. And Philadelphia Experiment was out at that time. So, it, yeah, this is really an odd film to be within that group of other movies, so, uh, yeah, Buckaroo <laughs> Banzai, folks, I, I will wrap it up here tonight, I it's odd, it's quirky, I, I love it, if you like odd and quirky films, and I can totally see why it has this cult following, and I'm glad it does, I'm glad it does, because there's a lot of films that have come out that are more popular, bigger budget, and successful that nobody talks about, but this film always seems to get a reaction out of folks when you mention it. Good, bad, or ugly, it they know it. And, like, tonight, people still talk about it. So, yeah, I would recommend it to folks. And we'll go around the room here, get your guys' final thoughts with Buckaroo Banzai and if you would recommend it. So, Angelique, uh, would you recommend this film and your final thought with Buckaroo? Uh,
2: yeah, I'd totally recommend it. And, I mean, my final thought can just be summed up by the quote, you know, hey, wherever you go, there you are. And this movie's gonna take you places.
1: <laughs> <It is laughs> definitely gonna do that. Glenn, what about you, sir? Oh man. Um I mean
0: I still get a kick out of this one. Um and I mean I've probably seen it I don't know, a dozen or more times. Mm-hmm. Um I still quote it. Um, I mean, there's there's obscure quotes that will still pop into my head every now and again. Like, I mean, so like, pictures don't lie. You're talking about it. I met my first wife through a picture. <laughs> you know, like, you know, and, and something, like, I don't remember the exact line, but yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that I still remember that, you know, how many years later, and I probably haven't seen this for, probably been close to 10 years since I last watched it sure. uh, up until I, I rewatched it. Uh, mm-hmm. Whenever you first announced this, you mm-hmm. we were doing this. So month or so ago. So, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it all came flooding back. Yeah. You know, I mean, the, 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 the torture scene with Lithgow and, and Peter Weller, and then reading trivia that Peter Weller, uh, they did numerous takes because he kept cracking up. <laughs> Because it was the first time he had heard Lithgow's, as he called it, his Italian Martian accent. <laughs>
1: so hard, hard to act like you're in pain and torture when you're also laughing because, yeah well, yeah, well, Lithgow is just that type of actor, though. I mean, yeah, it's he throws himself all into the part, and he definitely does that here for sure. With this movie, Uh, and I could see that. Well, apparently another one, too. Lithgow had his own crack-up moment because he was so impressed with Christopher Lloyd's uh, improvisation, their pre-flight launch scene. He can actually see him laughing as he's putting on his helmet because Christopher Lloyd is just nailing that, I guess that was improv of him doing with the (laughs) finger and everything in the big bouteille and all of that apparently that got Lithgow laughing. So, I mean, and that's the thing. You can tell people are having fun on this film, though. I mean, these are big-named actors at the time doing a film that you wouldn't have thought them doing, and they're having fun. You can tell people are having fun in this movie that are making it. Um, Regardless of how often they're writing scripts with different stories, the actors either keep it professional and just realize what they're making and just... How you know let loose with it i mean ian what are your final thought with buckaroo Banzai? and would you recommend it uh
3: i would recommend it i'd be careful about who you recommend it to or who you watch it with <laughs> um you know just make sure your marriage is on a solid footing
1: <laughs> i did get uh, to, i didn't mess with your domestic tranquility did i making you having you watch this film did i
3: if you could if you could get me some domestic tranquility that'd be a great place to start. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. No, um no, it, the word campy has come up a couple of times in the show. This movie is not campy. It's sincere. Mm. When I think campy, I think Batman and Robin. Mm. I think Joel Schumacher trying to make something that's big and colorful and flamboyant and purposely corny because that's what that's all he thinks the material is that's what he thinks of comic books the people who made this movie uh, you know i wouldn't change much except to maybe rein in a bit of the zaniness and tuck in some of those bedsheet corners narratively yeah. like with the ellen barkin character but i think to what you were saying mark all the actors are committed uh the story is you know bold and out there and cool and weird uh but it's weird in a way that you it's kind of like the infectious excitement Mm -hmm. of like all these ideas swimming around and wanting to give people the the wider movie going audience, something they've never seen before. And in the sense that they (laughs) responded by saying, no, thanks. That's where I think this movie is kind of ahead of its time. Cause I think even with the tweaks that Glenn, you're right, would have to be made to bring this into the mold of a guardians because they tend to balance the, drama, you know, the Mm -hmm. the feels with the comedy. This movie is completely absurd. uh, But I think it would have worked better today. And I think Mm -hmm. someone is, it's just waiting out there to be reimagined. And I think even if people saw that this is a flop in 84, they should realize that there's enough of a cult following and enough people willing to be open to a movie like this to say, let's do a spin-off, let's do a remake or a a sequel. I mean, Mm -hmm. if they did a sequel to this movie, they got Goldblum and Weller and who else back. They could totally do it. And oh yeah! It doesn't have to be a franchise. It could just be like a one-off thing. Hey, we're going to do this for the fans, and if it makes a dollar or a billion dollars, it's it's fine. I mean, if they can make Indiana Jones five <laughs> with a half-awake Harrison Ford,
1: they can do anything. <laughs> I'm bringing it full circle. For I you, saw Mark. that you you brought it full circle, and, and yeah. You, It is right. It has enough of a following now, and you could easily, with the way the world was built and the way they built these characters, you could easily do a Passing the Torch movie or even episode of where, you know, you do the older Hong Kong Cavaliers and Buckaroo Banzai. They're older, you know, they're their age now. They're kind of retired and out of that, but still the intelligent guys and kind of a Passing the Torch to either their offspring type of deal or a new, you know, another group or a group that was inspired by their original adventures that you could easily do a thing along that.
0: Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Jr.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't even need to do
3: that. The yeah. opening scene, Banzai and the Cavaliers are testing out this new dimensional car or whatever. They go through this portal and they come out the other side back into our reality but they're all like 22 years old. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. And that the same people is just, it's like (laughs) Dr. Who changing, you know, regenerating. Well,
1: Jeff Goldblum, I think does regenerate because he doesn't really look that much. (laughs) older. No, you know? Uh, So yeah, Buckaroo Banzai is an interesting film. Don't let its budget fool you. It's got a cult following for a reason. And, it's fun. I mean, I, I, it, it, if you like, as we mentioned tonight, those films like Guardians of the Galaxy and that or you know want to see something that probably has served as a template for many uh, uh, f- you know bigger named and more successful sci-fi movies and and writers and directors, there's a lot here to enjoy. It just it just stumbles a bit, and I think it, it came out just at a time the audiences aren't ready for something like that yet you know, uh, but now we've accepted so much craziness and there's so much content and wild shows out there. I think it would do better now. And so if you like that sort of thing, folks, please check it out, if nothing else, for the cast because of characters that they have because it's what you said, Ian. And we've had this discussion before, and I'll wrap it up. I know we're going a little long, but there's some modern films that try to do camp and some of them do it really well, but what makes films like, I think Buck Bonds, I get the cult following, is that sincerity. They're making a film, fully planning on making a franchise out of this. I mean, you can tell. everybody They're in this thinking they're going to be successful and they're going to plan already for the next film. So the sincerity and the honesty that's in their performances and what they're putting into this film is impressive in itself, I think. Um, yeah, and and it—if nothing else—appreciate it for that. Its commitment to to the gimmick, as we would say. So there you have it, folks. Thank you for uh, listening to us talk about Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai. It is I'm a hero. Uh, I need a hero month. So it is I need a hero month here. Do 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 do. do. <laughs> do, 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 do. Now I'd still like do 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 do. Sorry, uh the Buck Banzai theme. But yes, it is. I need uh Need a Hero Month. So next week, I believe it is next week, it is Remo Williams. Uh so. <laughs> <laughs> or re a week after I forgot who we're doing next week but I've got, I've got it up folks so uh, look for some more fun and interesting films I think this month our cannon fodder episode is Superman 4 that'll be near the end of the month that should be an interesting discussion so this is where I give my wonderful crew members who are very patient with this mumbling host a uh, chance to shill so license to shill Angelique, ladies first uh, go ahead, the floor is yours
2: you can find me on Facebook, and you can find me and uh, Mark sometimes and a bunch of other very talented folks over at MonstersMadnessAndMagic.com.
1: Yeah, I do have a couple episodes I'm working on for there for the uh, Movie Man's Monster Movie Musings, uh, so hopefully I'll get those done within the next week here, and you'll see some of those, so it uh, should be fun. So And uh, BFD, you, you've got something to plug. I, I love your TikToks. Come on, man. You
0: can find me on TikTok. I'm the old <laughs> guy on TikTok. <laughs>
1: that was still shot Games in a
0: bunker. That's where you'll find me pretty much anywhere. Uh on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. Games
1: in a bunker. There you go, folks. You should check out his kneeboards necessities. Uh very entertaining. And, uh, yeah, and gaming advice, too, for all you R- RPG tabletop gamers out there as well. Man is a wealth of knowledge that you should uh, definitely listen in on because it's nerdcore. Nerdcore, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ian, uh, license to shill, sir. Oh, <clears throat> I'm uh,
3: Ian Simmons. I run Kicking the Seat, which you can find at kickseat.com. I also have a YouTube channel, which is uh, YouTube.com probably slash kicking the seat. And, uh, yeah, put out uh, like three video review conversations a week. And uh, starting tomorrow, which hopefully Mark will be uh, able to join us, if not for the inaugural episode, then maybe jump on some some future ones, uh, we're going to be talking about Loki from uh, Disney+. Plus. It's going to be Loki's midweek mischief. Ooh. So that'll be fun. Come check it out at 9 p.m. Central. We're going to be talking spoilers, so watch
1: Loki on Disney Plus and
3: then come hang out. It's always, always fun.
1: Yeah, they're uh, very kind to allow me amongst... Uh, I'm, a man, uh, I'm, I'm a mouse among giants as far as the comic knowledge goes there, so I appreciate being on there. And yes, folks, i uh, going to plug it quick. We do have an AMA coming up in one month at the time of this recording in one month i'm kind of working what i'm going to be doing not sure but uh it all depends on who shows up so please show up for it there's a link on the on our uh, facebook page there's a link on my special mark productions page it's everywhere uh you probably don't want to be but check it anyway (laughs) um Right here it'll be on the YouTube 7 p.m. Central Standard Time July 9th is the anniversary where we hit official 15 years of uh, the first time we posted on YouTube and it just happens to be my birthday as well. So it'll be a lot of interesting fun. So tune in for that folks and now we'll just say good night everyone. Good night. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, all my Spoiler Room friends out there. If you like what you hear, why not head on over to iTunes and like, comment, and even subscribe to our channel. It always helps us out. Or you can find us on Stitcher Radio as well. You can drop us a tweet on to Twitter at Spoiler Room PDCS or Special Mark Pro. Look for us also on Facebook at the Spoiler Room Podcast or in the Special Mark Productions Facebook group. Let us know what movies or topics you'd like to be discussed in the Spoiler Room where the conversation is fresh uh, but we do spoil the movies